yeah. Today I want to talk about COVID and teaching. Now, in the schools that I go to, there's a variety of different things going on with COVID. Um, and some better than others. Some schools are very well organised with COVID. The children are just into the word routine, hand washing, etc. And it's marvellous. And other schools are a bit lax with it. And that makes me nervous because I'm a super spreader going from school to school. Which has me anxious, has the, the teachers and the head teachers and the children possibly anxious too. And it depends where I'm going and what I'm teaching. How much effort and time has got to be spent um, wiping down a laptop, for example, socially distancing from all the teachers and all the children, eating my dinner in my car um, in case I'm coming into close contact with other adults in the school and then concerned always about bringing it home with me. But the children are absolutely wonderful and they totally understand about the new situation and they teach me every day about social distancing and the rules and there's nothing like kids for wanting to follow rules I think especially younger ones and there's a little girl um, she's got a very unusual first name so I won't say what it is because it might be um, easily picked up who she is she's, she's a beautiful little thing and she's quite new to this particular school that I go into. So she's been in two schools that have different COVID drills. Um, not a bit confused by them actually. And loves to compare between them what the rules are. And she would say, my other teacher didn't clean her laptop. I worry about her in case she gets COVID. She didn't have wipes. She didn't have hand sanitizer like this. Um, and I said to her not to not to be worried about it. Um, but she's one of these organising type of girls, you know, and she'll say, Now, miss, that, that, this is not what we normally do, you know. Um, we normally do it like this. So I make sure if I'm in her class that I get the full rundown of what's going on before I start and then I don't get it wrong. Because there's nothing worse than wrecking a routine because you go into a class and there's children in there with all different types of needs and some children have visual timetables so like if you go in and you're a new face you go in and you don't teach what they were expecting to be taught then it can cause major problems and meltdowns and goodness knows what else and there's one girl um, that I teach regularly and she's 10 and she has very specific needs and uh, very individualised behaviour patterns that manifest themselves when there's change. But she's used to me now, sort of, but it, you are, it really depends. So I go in and ask her about her cat and we have a chat about her cat and I always make sure if her hand goes up I give her the opportunity to contribute to the lesson because if you don't You've had it, basically. She will throw through throw things at you and throw things out of the window and run out of the classroom and things like that if she doesn't get her own way. 
um, and I decided that I was going to try and teach her about patience and we did the fruits of the spirit several weeks ago when I was in school just as a very small worship session and we talked about the different fruits of the spirit and we talked about patience and how it was such an important fruit to have in your life um, and to be a patient person and sometimes it's not easy to be patient and for some people it's the biggest challenge of all and the biggest challenge in my life is being patient because I am not patient. I want it yesterday. You know, if I'm ordering from Amazon, it's coming tomorrow, but I want it now kind of thing. And it's a daily struggle with me, patience, really is. Um, and I, I appreciate what this girl's going through because I can see it's something that troubles her along with many other things, but that's one of the things that troubles her, particularly in class. If she has an answer, she wants to say it there and then and that's it. And, you know, and unless you let her, she, it's like she's going to burst with excitement or she's going to burst with temper if she doesn't say it. So I said to her that we'd have a challenge between me and her to see who was the most patient. Um, I was trying to be patient, getting the children to be quiet. And she was trying to not put a hand up and demand to be, to be heard. So I said to her, if you feel the urge, sit on your hands. And she thought this was fantastic. So she sat on her hands for most of the day, to be honest, which was a bit of a problem when it came to she had to do some work. But nevertheless, my my ambition for that day was to get her to not shout out, mm, etc. So she has a one-to-one. -one, so she's got a TA with her all the time. But the TA is fantastic and is very experienced with, with being a one-to-one. -one and tends to know when it's time to intervene and when it's time to step back. So she'll be at the back of the class getting on with jobs, keeping an eye on her. And it was quite fascinating, really, watching this sitting on your hands thing, because she was really taking it seriously. And I was really taking it seriously, being patient with the children and not getting cross. And when I felt myself getting cross, I was out loud I was counting to ten. And she knew that I was doing this. Because that was, that was my strategy to keep myself patient. So she was sitting on her hands and I was counting to ten. And they didn't shout all day. Didn't lose my temper. And it, the children took a little bit longer to to settle down. But it was worth it because I wasn't getting het up. And escalating the, the situation with the children, which tends to happen. Because if I shout, they shout loud. So we got to about two o'clock. And she hadn't put her hand up at all. She'd done some work. She'd done about as much work as she normally does. She never does as much as everybody else. She'd had Lego time. She'd had her usual brain breaks, etc. She'd been for a walk and done some jobs around the school with the, with her one-to-one um, -to, -one to, to make sure that she was still focused. And then the last lesson was music. Now, this girl does not like music. Music is, like, dreaded by her. It, it's... Regardless of what you're doing, whether it's singing or whether it's clapping or whether it's instruments or whether it's not nothing of that listening or whatever, she really doesn't cope with that with it at all. Um, and she's got this visual timetable and she knows it's music, and and 
it gets to quarter past two and they go out to play and at half past two that's music and I felt the tension increase she was fidgeting etc but she was still sitting on her hands so she went outside and played and came back in and then I could see there was a potential meltdown occurring but I, I was like what what am I going to do I've got to do something sitting on the hands is not going to work here I need to have something else so I gave her a tambourine and I told her to put it on the table and to not jingle it and don't touch it at all and if she didn't jingle it at three o'clock she could go on the computer and play this game that she loves which is like a big treat it's like the biggest treat she, it's very rare that she gets that maybe once every half term but I thought it was worth it for um, for the sake of not having chairs thrown at me so anyway, she had this tambourine on the on the tail and you could see she was dying to jingle it. She was dying to touch. She wasn't even touching the the, the metal bit at all. She just was had it in front of her and she, she was touching the base of it. She was touching the wood of it, but she wasn't touching anything that jingled. So she was like going around in a circle with a finger around the wood. And then she was rubbing her hand up and down on the plastic um, part of the tambourine. And she wasn't making a noise. She was being absolutely fine. She was totally focused on what she was doing. Um, we had our music lesson. Um, and it wasn't a particularly wild lesson. It wasn't a Glockenspielville. Which is like. Last thing on a Friday afternoon. Glockenspielville is sending everybody home with a migraine basically. It wasn't that. And it wasn't singing either. Because of Covid. So you think, you're like well. What can you do if you haven't got instruments. In a music lesson. Um, so the music man who comes in wasn't in and he sent work through on, on an email and the attachment was missing. So it's one of them, Mrs Boyer, wing it lessons, which is Mrs Boyer's favourite kind of day, to be fair. I mean, I love winging it. Um, so I thought, right, twinkle, twinkle, little star, silent. How do you do that? Like, well, it's quite easy. Whiteboard. So you get a whiteboard and each child writes a letter A, B, C, D, E, F, G on the whiteboard. And they hold it up when that letter comes in in the tune. So I gave two boys the written version just in letter form A, B, C, D, E, F, G for Swingle, Swingle, Little Star. And then I split the class up into three teams and they went into the teams and lined up in alphabetical order against the walls of the classroom. So I'm at the front, two metres away from the desks, and then on the left-hand side is team one, at the back is team two, on the right is team three, with the whiteboards and in alphabetical order. Then the boys are in the middle of the classroom, and then there's a judge. So I always pick one of the tinkers as a judge, um, one of the ones that's a bit lively, that likes doing jobs that like it's like to be engaged so i picked him and he was like made up he thought it, it, it was his birthday he was really happy to have that and the two boys who were in charge were like really sensible ones who had some kind of nous about them and who could uh, remember the rules of the game so what they did was they shouted out like c c g g a and etc um so the children had to sit down on the floor then stand up and hold up the board and sit down and if it was a double letter which it isn't twinkle twinkle little star they'd have to hold up c and then hold up c again and then sit down and and it was a competition between the three teams to see which one did it right 
in time and that there was nobody holding two boards up at the same time because that doesn't work and it took us 45 minutes to get it right because the challenge was then the last time we did it we didn't say the word say the letters they had to learn it so i would just clap the rhythm of twinkle twinkle little star and then eventually i would conduct it properly with like proper conducting signs without clapping so with a four four beats in the bar so i was doing that properly i showed them what i meant by one two three four which was one which was two which was three which was four etc and um we 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 sort of did it team by team we didn't do it all together because that was confusing and they they were like on the edge of the seat well they were on the floor but they were on the edge of the floor they were like gripped by this they they loved it and i'd literally made it up off the top of my head within like a second of getting in the classroom um, when I found out I didn't have any work set. So that was like 45 minutes and there was 15 minutes left. So we had a team that won and they got dojos and things like dojos are like prizes like that they get. Um, and I gave dojos out to the ones who'd helped, etc. Um, in the meantime, <laughs> my little friend is still sat on her desk with her tambourine and she's watching everything that's going on. She's taking it all in. She's totally engaged in watching all of what other children are doing. And then we get to like quarter past three and they're going home in 15 minutes. And I said, right, we're going to do a challenge now. I said, we're going to do some music maths now. Maths is her favourite. And she, she just was like so excited about doing music and maths together. So I, I wrote on the board, semi-breathe four. Dotted minimum three, minimum two, crotchet one, quiver half. And then we did some maths with that. So like we did, for example, semi-breathe, take away, minimum equals minimum, things like that. Um, and it, it took me two minutes to explain it. And the children worked in pairs with the whiteboards and they gave each other challenges. And in the meantime, like the two TAs were tidying up um, with groups of children, getting them to wash their hands and get the bags, etc. Um, and we got to like 25 past three and my little friend is still sat there with the tambourine and I was like so thrilled because she'd done so well she'd been on a computer reward she'd had everything she'd had all the rewards that you could possibly have there was there was nothing else that there was possible to, to give her um, but I remembered that the last time I was in I brought my giant playing cards with me so I said to her do you want to be Bruce Forsyth well you'd think you'd think again that that it was Christmas she was so thrilled can I bring my tambourine <laughs> so I said yeah you can bring your tambourine so she came to the front she had a tambourine on her knee it's like a comfort blanket with her and she she sat there and she played higher all over with the children just like I do she did um you get nothing for a perk not in this game everything through with the other children um like five children had to go at it which was really quick and then we went we, we got ready to go home so then of course she wants to take the tambourine home with it doesn't she of course and it's like the school tambourine and i said i don't think you can take it home sweetheart for covid reasons you know because of the germs on it etc so anyway um grandma comes to pick her up her grandma's brilliant with her but if you call grandma over grandma's head drops because she thinks it's gonna it's a chair that's been thrown or something but it wasn't that i reassured her and i said that she'd had a brilliant afternoon and 
um, it, does she have a tambourine? And she said, yes, I've got one in my house, in the loft. Um, so anyway, needless to say, straight home to grandma's loft for the tambourine. So anyway, the tambourine is, is a permanent feature in this girl's life. And she sleeps with the tambourine. Um, she has the tambourine at the table when she's eating her meals. And it's made a, a fantastic difference, this tambourine. She still doesn't jingle the the metal on it or anything like that. She does exactly what I asked her to do, but she loves to just run her finger around the wood of the tambourine and then put a flat of her hand on the plastic. It's just a really, really simple, simple thing that she that she loves. And kids like that are why I'm a teacher, basically. It's not about the the easy ones to teach. It's not about the ones who get it and go on, you know, and go to leave school and whatever. It's not about that. It's about the ones who are hard to reach, the ones who are hard to engage. It's about the ones who come in and you can see they've had a bad time. Something's gone on. You know, it's about the ones who come in and they've not had anything to eat all weekend and they sit with you at lunchtime and you give them your dinner. That's happened to me more than once. It's about the kids who are always in trouble and have nowhere to go in their lives apart from trouble because they've lost the way. It's about those kids and trying to reach them and trying to guide them on a, on a path that is less confrontational. And in lots of ways, I my job is to have fun with the children in an engaged learning environment um, so that they don't realise the learning, they don't realise it's, it's hard, they don't realise that they've done work, they think they've just come to enjoy themselves um, and that's, that's, the, that's the skill of teaching that you don't get from a book, you don't get that from university, you get that from 31 years of being in the classroom with these beautiful creatures it's such a privilege to be with them every day is different some days are, are brilliant and some days are diabolical and everything in between um but i started teaching in secondary I didn't want to. I went to train to be a primary French teacher. Then the government changed the rules and languages came out of primary. So I was I was between a rock and a hard place. I had to start again and do secondary. And I was never completely comfortable with the age group. The subject, the subject was fine. I loved my French, but I don't teach French anymore. I've not taught French for, for a long time. But it doesn't matter, I teach Spanish more than I do teach French. But it's not about that, it's not about the subject, it's about the engagement with the children, it's about the potential and them reaching it. It's about me driving them forward, it's about me um, ensuring that when they're learning and they're engaged and they're having fun, that they've got a thirst for knowledge that they want to come back the next day. Because um, some children, school is better than home. Um, not a lot of children, but some children. Because some children don't have a safe 
happy home life. Um, you can tell who those children are pretty much within an hour or two um, of their day. Um, and there's some children who are very, very shy and they don't want to be noticed. And I leave them alone, to be honest, and I don't dwell on them and drag them out. As long as they're happy, it doesn't matter. The children who want attention, sometimes they want negative attention because they just want attention. Um, those those are tricky ones sometimes because they can take all my time, which means I'm not giving it to the rest of the 35 children that are in the classroom. Um, and then the ones in between often get fall through the cracks. So you've got like a nice kid who isn't excelling, but isn't messing about either. And they're, they're no trouble. They don't put the hand up and they just sit there and coast along. Don't challenge themselves, just about get by. And some days you don't get to those kids because there's so many other children want demanding your time so it, it's a case of you're in a class for a week and you work with everyone at some point during the week another thing that I try to do which is nearly impossible along with TAs is to hear every child read every week you can't do it every day but it would be wonderful if you could reading is gold absolute gold if you don't, if children don't read, then they don't learn spelling. They don't learn how to phrase things, how to construct sentences, um, and they don't learn like how to describe things. Um, and the writing is stinted because they don't read. And a lot of children will watch a film but not read the book. Um, and they'll know the story because they've seen the film, but it's not the same as reading the book. Um, so something else I do every single day in every class, no matter what, year six all the way down is read to them at the end of the day something. in Something from their classroom or something that I've brought in. And one of the things that year six love is I've got this book. It's a Christmas book called Christmas Ghost Stories. And um, they absolutely love that. So if I'm in a year six class, for a week or more or something like that I'll get quite quite a few ghost stories through and they just they just love it they love that kind of thing it's not appropriate for young younger ones than that but um and there's the, the owl babies is lovely with the little ones so that you know there's there's various books that are my favorites that I like to read with them and I, I carry them around in my giant suitcase with my uh, my giant playing cards which at uh, which I'm famous for using with the children um so every day is every day is a challenge, every day is different. Even with the same children it's different. Um but the ones that really stand out are the really bad ones and the really great ones. Um and if I go in and it's my subject, you know, if it's Spanish or music or French or something that I'm doing, I'm so thrilled to know that I'm able to teach my specialism. Um Maths and English to me now, I'm still learning with those, um, I feel, because um, the, cha the, the changes are just vast. Um, year on year, they, are, they have this maths no problem, which is like the Singapore math method, 
some schools have that some schools have white rose some schools have mastery which is the, the latest one now um or a mixture of or a bespoke one or a mixture of all of them um and like teaching children how to do subtraction a different way than i did it at school you know i'm into that now but it can be a challenge when you're teaching something that you learnt differently. Um, but I do enjoy teaching maths. I think maths is great and it's very accessible. Um, English is the one that the children I find have the most issues with because it, it's wide. You've got your reading, your spelling, your writing, um, all interlinked with each other but then separate as well. Um, in the infants you've got your phonics where you're doing your sounds and then you're reading from your sounds um, and then it builds up from there um, and then spelling is a big issue in schools um, and be keeping on top of spelling you've got to keep on top of it you've got to test regularly you've got to do the same with the times tables because they're, they're being tested on the times tables in year four now as well so there's so much in so much in a day to to ram into the day you haven't got any spare time at all um so now with all the covid hand washing the day is shrinking even more um when I mean, they're supposed to have pe twice a week and they've started where they come in school on the day they have pe not in the uniform so a lot of schools now are just doing pe once a week which is fine because the children play out and things like that and the weather's not been so bad so they've been able to get their exercise um but in english the guided reading in english is a challenge because i've worked in schools where they do this carousel activity so like i'll work with a group and the other groups will do something else and then it gets noisy and you're trying to focus so it's like i have to have silence in guided reading can't have any noise because I'm working with the group and the other children are doing spelling activities or whatever activities and then the next day I'm with a different group Um, what I find now is that schools do a whole class guided reading instead which is really tricky because there's some children who cannot access that text and cannot answer the questions if you've got a good TA can work with those children on a different text and that's fine um but that's not always possible you know sometimes you'll have a one-to-one -one, um and something will happen with her one-to-one -one or his one-to-one -one and they have to take them out and then they can't lead the group um it's precious if you have a ta and a one-to-one -one, but that, that that's not always possible because a lot of the time now one-to-ones are tas as well you know they've got a group rather than just a one-to-one -one, and they'll be, it'll be like a one-to-two um rather than a one-to-one -one or a one-to-three even because budgets are so tight in schools at the moment um, i mean they have been for a while but at the moment it's even tighter um because people are going self-isolating and supplies got to come in etc um, but that the, the some some of the tas will step up and take the class um obviously they have to be level three to do that um and they have this, this the thing that's sort of taken me out of a job really um is the hltas which is the higher level teaching assistants 
they do the job that I used to do because I used to do the covering for teachers when they were planning and marking and what have you, management time. That was my job, my PPA teacher. So I went from class to class and did like different things with them. That job now is done by a TA in lots of schools, not every school, some schools have a teacher still. Um, it depends on the priorities of the school, etc. Um, and I have applied for those jobs and not got them for some reason. Um, but I think what's happening in schools now in some ways is that, sadly, it's budget-led rather than child-led. And it's it's very sad that that happens. Sometimes things that you want to do, you can't do because you can't afford it. You know, like making sure you've got a good library, um, making sure you've got the right ICT equipment um, that you need. Can't happen. Um, but there's funding in schools for specific things. So they get this um, money for pupil premium for other children who have got free school meals. There's extra money comes into school and you've got to show how you spend that. Make sure you're giving additional help to those children. And and it's not just used as a general thing in the classroom. And you've also got um, the sports money that comes in. Um, so a lot of schools now, they have a sports coach, either employed by the school or who comes in and does the PPA, like I was saying before. Um, and sometimes they have other specialists that come in, like a language teacher or a music teacher or something like that. Um, and, and that's great because that frees the staff up away from like a subject um, and they can just say, oh, thank goodness, such a body's teaching my music, such a body's teaching my PE and I can focus on other things. But it's very maths and English heavy now um, in schools. Um, when you get to year six, you get to the spring term in year six. Um, they do math and English in the morning and math and English in the afternoon and very little else because SATs are like looming and that's a shame really because the broad and balanced curriculum is is not really being followed for the whole year but what can you do I mean you've got to you know so much relies on the on these SATs results in year two and year six Um. You know, it's the profile of the school, it's whether it's outstanding or whatever, Ofsted, league tables and all these things. Um, you know, and if you're not outstanding or good and you haven't got that banner outside the school, then parents won't send their kids to the school, basically. Um, and that is a big problem. That is a huge problem. So if a school goes into required improvement, it's a massive deal because you see an exodus of children. They even actually leave the school and go to another school, never mind not coming in the first place. And it, 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 it's less of a problem in high schools because you've got to go wherever you're sent, wherever you live. But in primary, you've got more of a more of an option if the space is to go to other schools. Um, if you've got like a big school with a two-farm entry, like you might have up to 35 children in the juniors, um, you find children coming in year three because it's 30 in the infants and it's full. But then you'll find a lot of kids come in year three from different schools because they wanted to come to that school in the first place, but they couldn't get in. Um, and that's what's happened in the school I'm in at the moment. There's several children started um, that want to get into their local high school. So they've moved, They've not moved house, they've just moved to that primary.
to get into the local high school, which is a good high school. Um, and there's, you know, there's, there's pros and cons with that, really, but it's very important that you get your kids into a good school. Don't get me wrong, I mean, that, you know, houses, people want to move into a house in a particular area because of the schools. And that's often primarily the reason that the that they move to an area is because of the schools and and I'm all for that you know I really am um but that sort of can cause problems that all the sort of certain types of children will go to one school which leaves behind other schools, so then you have like a two tier system of schools, and the people who haven't got a choice where they live send the children to. A school maybe that's not as good I don't know but I was talking to a teacher today who's been teaching a long time like me and I said that if you if you teach in a school where behavior is bad and it's a tough school you work harder you definitely work harder than a school that's coasting or a school that where the children behave really well um, and quite often, if you're in a school where the children behave really well, you, they're not challenged by the teachers because the teachers um, are sort of a comfort. They sort of get into a comfort zone with them. And I, I was in a school, brilliant school, outstanding school. And the thing that was on the Ofsted targets was challenging the more able, and. I felt that it wasn't being addressed from the first week that I got there, to be fair. Um, and I sort of decided that I was going to do something very specific with maths to make sure that there was something for the children above. So I had like a top set maths group. And I, I was accessing the Year 7 curriculum and in some instances with some children, like the Year 8 curriculum. And I was way out of my depth with that. Oh, boy. I was up late at night trying to fathom what on earth was going on with the with some of the, the resources that I was finding to push them and push them and push them. And they, they lapped it up because they were just bright kids and they just... You know, they they just could could soak it up and and run with it, and choosing books choosing books for English, when you've got bright kids, can be a real challenge as well. Um, because, you sort of, topic based a lot of the time, um, and I was in a school last year in year six for a long time, teacher was off for a long time, and, I went in the cupboard to find books because I was planning everything myself so we had an afternoon a week to plan so I found a big pile of books and I took the book out and it, it was a book that I hadn't read for a long time but it's a good book it's called Running Wild by Michael Marpurgo and luckily they were doing rainforests so it sort of linked in with that slightly with sort of palm oil etc and endangered species so my head just exploded and I sat down and on the back of a piece of paper, I just did like a sketch plan of, you know, an overview really of the topic and how it would fit in with English and what we would do. And I decided we would write letters because I, I was totally free to do whatever I wanted really with this class because 
there was no planning and nobody sent anything in to me and they just told me to do whatever I felt needed to be done. And I checked what they'd done in the books and they hadn't done letters. So we did a letter to Theresa May. We did a letter to the local authority man who was in charge of the kitchens. So we wrote about endangered species and we wrote about palm oil in school dinners. And we got letters back from Theresa May and from uh, the man in charge of school kitchens. And the, the children thought this was great because it was a real, it was a real purposeful thing to do with English. It wasn't just, you know, filling something in your book. We also had a trip to Chester Zoo um, and we did various activities and they had the special palm oil project as well going on. So that was pretty good. That was a pretty good term, that one. Um, we did lots of spelling as well because that, that was that was an issue with the class there was some diabolical spelling and they didn't know the year three four words never mind the year five six words and that was just routine you just had to get into the routine of doing these tests over and over and over again and i do think that drove the learning forward with those kids and they were really well behaved um you know i've had i've been in a year six class where they weren't really well behaved and I didn't drive the learning forward until about two weeks before I finished because I just had to battle and battle and battle with them um, to get them to behave and the behaviour for learning was really important and eventually I sorted them out um, well enough to learn you know we had some major major playground issues and fighting and um, throwing things at each other in the classroom issues so like I divided the class in half and put a wall up down the middle of bookcases so that they couldn't even see each other and that seemed to work but again there was no TA in there at all um, so it was just me and 30 children of all different abilities in year six some of them thought they were 15 and uh, there was you know there was blood basically um not literally but it felt like it was a battle zone every day i would go in and i had my boxing gloves on and i had to be a person that i don't like being i wasn't nice i was really strict i didn't smile i didn't you know i didn't say a lot of praiseworthy things because there wasn't much to say that was pra that was worth praising um there was about three children in there that were hard-working and sensible and the rest of them were trouble basically um cocky and lazy and um, argumentative and boys and girls alike um you know one of the one of the most difficult problems was that one of the members of staff her child was in the, that class um, and one of the worst behaved as well. So that was really hard trying to, you know, say it's not on what's going on yet. And, you know, and and the poor teacher was mortified but didn't quite know which way to turn with this particular child. But by, there was two weeks to go before the teacher came back and the teacher had been off a long time and came back sort of phased return. So she came in and she was taking little groups out and have you and um it was a lot better the behavior because i'd been in there when she was in when, before she went off i'd been in there for a week um while she had some time because she was obviously 
really struggling. And uh, she was in and out of the classroom doing different jobs and bits and pieces. And the, the noise was just like a constant wall of noise. You just couldn't get them to be quiet. And it was impossible. It was unteachable. And when they asked me would I go in, um, I was like, you know, mm, it's going to be a really hard work, this. And they'd had a previous supply teacher, a man, supply teacher who was 60 and he'd just come back from the missions and um, he was lovely, really nice guy, but so laissez-faire and he just let them walk all over him. So that didn't help because they thought I was going to be like that, but trust me, I was not like that. Um, I, when I first started teaching 31 years ago, I, I was I had a colleague called Diane Patmore and um, she taught French with me and she was the one who said, don't smile till Christmas. And um, someone had carved into the desk, Patmore is a Hitler reject. So she was well known. You know, she had two dresses that she wore. One, she wore a dress and the next day she wore a different dress and she, that's all she had. Um, and she was very, very officious and very organised. Um, and she took no prisoners at all. She was head of year as well. And she just had this look. I don't know what it was. It was like a look of contempt that she had that seemed to ring through the room. And um, woe betide, if you got that look, you knew that you were in trouble. And I was trying to perfect this look, but I just looked boss-eyed when I was trying to do it. It didn't work. Um, but I seemed to... If I, if, I was, if I just sit still or stand still and watch the board and start writing one minute, two minute, three minute, four minute and that's how much play time they're losing if they carry on talking, that seems to work. So when it gets to 15 minutes, they've only got five minutes play time left and eventually they stop. And like if I say I'm going to do it, I do it. So I don't relent, I don't say, oh, you've been good and wipe it off. If I've got 15 minutes on the board, we don't go out until it's five minutes before. So, you know, everybody else is playing out. You can see them, you can hear them. We're sat in silence doing lines or reading or something. And then we go out for five minutes and come back and that's it. And it's grim. It's grim. And when, you, when you're doing that on a daily basis for like, must have been... 11, 12 weeks that I was doing that with that class. It, it grinds you down and it ground, it ground them down, I know it did. Because um, it was so hard to, um, to find any solace or happiness in anything because it was just survival on a daily basis. Um, you know, the, if somebody didn't go on with a black eye, it was, um, you know, a, a great day. <laughs> um, but the parents did not like it at all they were like who is this woman coming in why is she making our children line up on the playground go in if they talk go back again why is she making them line up over an hour they've missed an hour's learning but they gained more learning because they shut up for me and they let me speak so um, so that was a big learning curve, not just for me, but for them. 
to go into a class that was unteachable and make them teachable. Um, because when when the lovely teacher came back who'd had a really tough time, um, the kids were teachable. And um, about five or six weeks after I'd left and gone on to another school, I got a letter through the agency from her to thank me. And I've read that before. Uh, to thank me for turning them round and giving the the opportunity to actually teach them. Um, so, yeah, like it was a bit of a Nanny McPhee thing, that, to be honest. I do feel like Nanny McPhee sometimes. Um, but it was, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. But the rewards were huge because the children, you know, were able to reach potential. We did some nice things the last week. We did some painting and things like that. Um, but other than that, it was just grind. It was just grind on a daily basis. Grind, grind, grind with them. Um, but I haven't done long term for a while. And I do like long term. I like to develop a relationship with children. But because we're going to this particular school I'm going into now regularly, there, there is some kind of a relationship with the children and with the staff. Um, which is nice to have for a change. So I've gone on a bit there today. That's a bit of a long one.